Welcome to the Hills. Uh, greetings to all of you watching online and a special shout out to all of you in person at West Fort Worth, South Lake, and NRH campus. Uh, we're in a short series called Stronger, learning how to find our strength in the Lord. Uh, before we begin, I want to also endorse our men's conference. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans is one of my spiritual heroes, Bob Goff, I don't need to say any more. And Bruce Matthews is an amazing man. And so, Guys, you have a friend who isn't close to Jesus. Bring them to the men's conference. They will leave closer to Jesus. So be praying about that. Also be praying February the 3rd for an interest night we're going to be hosting in Dallas. I mentioned last weekend I was preaching at a church in Dallas. When we announced our vision and we mentioned having extra campuses, we got a lot of feedback from people in Dallas. Would you think about coming here? So on February the 3rd, we're going to have a service at the Skillman Church to see if there's enough interest in Dallas for us to consider that as a next campus for our church. So be praying about that. You have friends that live in Dallas that might be looking for a church home. Please let them know. So I heard about a man from New York who was driving through Texas for the first time in his life. He was in an accident, hit head on by a pickup pulling a horse trailer. Months later, he's in court suing for damages for injuries he incurred. The lawyer representing the insurance company says, the police report says at the time of the accident that you had no injuries. And the man said, I'm lying on the ground in great pain. I hear someone say, the horse's leg is broken. A Texas ranger pulls out his gun, shoots the horse, and then turns to me and says, are you okay? <laughs> Here's the truth. A lot of pain goes unreported. So we're talking about how we can be strong in the Lord. And some people think being a strong Christian means you're always smiling and pretending like life never hurts. That is not what I mean when I say God is eager to make us stronger. Sometimes God gives strength instead of weakness. And sometimes God gives strength in the midst of weakness. And sometimes the person who appears so weak is actually stronger than you think. Like a real New Yorker named Willie Murphy, 82 years old. And she heard a loud knock on her front door late one night. She goes and there's a man insisting he come into her house because he's sick, she doesn't let him in the house, but she goes to call the police to check on him. She hears a loud crash. The man broke open her door and entered her house. What he didn't know was that Willie is a bodybuilder who can deadlift 225 pounds. She picked up a table and crashed it over his head, pinned him to the ground, and beat him up with her broom until the police arrived. She said, I think he was really happy to be in the ambulance. And she said, I may be old and alone, but I'm tough. And you know people like this who appear weak until you get to know them and you find out they are actually much stronger than you think. And that's a good thing because nobody goes through life never experiencing weakness. But when life gets harder, we believe grace is stronger. And that brings us to our text today. You can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
Now, I'm going to give you the context for the text we're going to read. Paul received special favor from God. He was allowed to have visions and revelation that he said took him to the third heaven, to paradise, where he said, I saw things I can't even tell you about. Now, with great privilege comes the temptation for great pride. So picking up in verse 7, we read, In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a wonderful but perplexing text. Talking about suffering and blessing at the same time. Now, let's be clear. When God created the world, he did not write suffering into the script. The scripture says that weakness is the consequence of darkness. Paul says in Romans 5 that through one man's sin, sin entered God's creation and with sin came death and all the death brings, decay, pollution, corruption, injustice. It's all a consequence of darkness. Now, scripture affirms that God can use suffering. God can use suffering as a classroom for gaining wisdom. God can use suffering as an instrument of judgment. But it's one thing to say God can use suffering. It's another thing to say God wills suffering. You need to be very careful saying to somebody, well, I guess it's just God's will that you be in pain. God doesn't will or predetermine people's suffering. Most of our struggles that weaken us are the consequence of simply living in a marred and fallen world. And because weakness is a consequence of darkness, weakness should never be met with passive meekness. Or to put it another way, it is never wrong to long to be strong. Paul said, I pleaded with God, take this away. And Paul is never rebuked for wanting his weakness to be removed. The church should always oppose suffering and take it before the throne of God. In the fifth chapter of the book of James, it says, are you sad? Are you hurting? Are you sick? You should call on your elders and your church leaders and let's get together and let's pray about it so that it can be removed and healing can come. We often mention Jesus' prayer before the cross, not my will, but thine be done. That same prayer he prayed, Lord, may this cup be taken from me. So you are praying like Jesus when you pray, God, please take this away. As you also pray, not my will, but yours be done. It is right to pray against anything in creation 
that is wrong. Because this is not the world God intended. But neither is it a world God intends to abandon. And so if weakness in itself is not good, the scripture says that God is committed to bringing something good out of it. And so Paul prays, God, take this away. It was probably some kind of a physical infirmity, and it caused him pain and discomfort. And he said, God, I want to be stronger. And he received a revelation to his prayer that made him stronger, but not in the way he had requested. And that leads us to a very important and very empowering tension. And here's the first part of that tension. That God is strong enough to remove my weakness. Jesus was never intimidated by any encounter with darkness, no matter what form it took. Every time Jesus removed weakness, it was an act of spiritual warfare. His healings and his casting out of demons were his way of announcing there is a new king in town and the old powers must bow to me. Now, that's why perhaps 40% of the gospel narratives are stories of Jesus supernaturally assaulting weakness. And yet, I was raised in a tradition where we were told not to believe that Jesus would do that anymore. That the reasons that Jesus miraculously assaulted weakness aren't uh, applicable anymore. And so I decided I would read every miracle story in the Gospels where Jesus attacked weakness. And I did. And I just wrote down, does this story actually say why Jesus did it? And I came up with five reasons. One was to authenticate his identity. Jesus would heal so that people would know that he was God's Messiah, the promised one. Another reason Jesus healed was to illustrate his authority, to demonstrate publicly that the powers that be must answer to him. Another reason Jesus healed was to demonstrate his compassion. There are miracle stories where it just says Jesus had compassion on the person and showed them extra mercy. Another reason Jesus would cast out demons or heal was to validate somebody's faith. Somebody would honor Jesus with their faith, so Jesus would respond and honor them with a healing. And then finally, sometimes Jesus healed just to stimulate praise of God, to cause people to burst out in awe and wonder and worship of God. Now, which of those reasons is rooted in some temporary historical basis? Jesus still wants to authenticate his identity. He still illustrates his authority. He still has compassion on people that are hurting. He still validates the faith of people that trust him. He still wants people to praise and worship God. God is still in the business of overcoming darkness. And so we pray for God because he's strong enough to remove my weakness. And however he does it, it's all from God. He may do it through doctors or medicines 
or lifestyle changes or therapy or support groups or supernatural acts of power. But we should ask and we should believe that God is strong enough to remove weakness. It's one of the reasons in our Ask for Nations and Generations vision that we launched Celebrate Recovery, a ministry to people who, in some cases for generations, have been in bondage to things over which they have no power to overcome in their own strength, because we believe God is strong enough to do what they cannot do. And in fact, I'm thrilled to share with you, we launched in July, and since then already 12 people have confessed Christ and been baptized into Jesus through Celebrate Recovery. And they will testify that God is strong and has removed my weakness. There's a story in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are going to the temple. There's a man who's been lame from birth who says, I need some coin. And Peter says, got none, but I got something better. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he does and starts to dance around. And a crowd gathers and Peter starts to preach about Jesus. And he says to the crowd in Acts 3.16, by faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. We affirm with confidence this is what God can do. What we cannot say with equal certainty is that God will do it. What God can do and what God will do are two different things. And what is always in His power is not always in His purpose. I said we live with a tension. We believe God is strong enough to remove weakness, but we also believe God is strong enough to redeem weakness. Now let's be clear about something. Believing that God can bring good out of suffering is not the same thing as saying that suffering is good. Don't ever say to somebody who is suffering, well, this is really a blessing. Suffering is not a blessing. If it was, there would be lots of suffering in heaven. But believing that God can bring good out of it, while the suffering itself is not good, is something we affirm. God didn't intend for us to be weak, but God can redeem weakness and use it for his intention. God is so sovereign that in Paul's case, he protected Paul from the sin that destroyed Satan, even as Satan assaulted Paul. Weakness brought Paul to the humbling realization of just how much he needed grace. Think about it. How would you ever know how much you need God's strength if you were never made aware of your own weakness? Many times over the course of my ministry here, I have used Johnny Erickson Tata as an illustration of this principle. Johnny, as a 17-year-old girl, dived into a bay. It was shallower than she thought. Her neck was broken. And since that point, she's been paralyzed from the neck down. She was speaking at a women's conference. She was actually in the restroom when some women approached her and said, Oh, Johnny, you just got it so together 
And you, you just look so happy and you have so much joy. I wish I had it. How do you do it? And she wrote, I breathed deeply. And I said, after my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open up at 7 a.m. That's when a friend arrives to get me up. While I listen to her make coffee, I pray, oh, Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, sit me up in my chair, brush my hair and teeth, and send me out the door. And I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day, but you do. May I have yours. God, I need you desperately. And a woman asked, well, what happens when your friend comes in the bedroom? And Johnny said, I turn my head toward her and I give her a smile. Sent straight from heaven. It's not mine. It's God's. And so, nodding to her paralyzed body, she said to those ladies, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. And she closed the article with this paragraph. I've learned that the weaker we are, the more we need to lean on God. And the more we lean on God, the stronger we discover Him to be. Paul said, God, take it away. I want to be stronger. And God said, I'm going to make you stronger. But not the way you expected. God can deliver from weakness. God can deliver through weakness. It says in Isaiah, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And Paul himself said in the book of Philippians, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. Now, be careful. We like to put that verse on coffee cups and say that's the verse of champions. Paul didn't write that verse as a champion. He was in prison. He had just finished saying, I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be in want. But through the strength of Christ, I can be everything he wants me to be. So what does this mean? It means when life wounds you deeply, you don't have to put on a fake smile and pretend it didn't hurt. What you need to do is believe that when life gets harder, grace is still stronger. Our church is filled with testimonies of people who could say, I know I look weak, but thanks to God, I am so much stronger than you think. I want you to hear one of those stories. Her name is Lisa Adkison. She's a part of our West Fort Worth family, and she has a testimony that I hope encourages you. Please watch. My husband and I were living on the east side of Fort Worth when I was pregnant, and our firstborn was Josh, and he was a big baby. He was 10 pounds and 6 ounces. And then his brother was born, Jake, so they were almost five years apart. And the boys were best friends. They grew up just playing with each other. And we felt life was, was going pretty good, especially since Josh had 
uh, been successful getting in the Navy. It was good for him. He grew in a lot of ways. When Josh was deployed, he uh, re-enlisted. He was assigned base here in Texas, so he was coming home. At the time, he was living in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And he was married and had um, a little girl, Maddie, and they were moving to Texas. We were to see Josh and his family on Monday morning. He had spent the weekend with Christina's family. I talked to him on the phone as he was putting Maddie in the, in the car. They had driven a long way and been in town for a couple of days. I could hear Maddie crying. I said, she's probably tired of the car seat. He said, well, Mama, I'll have to call you back. And so he, he hung up and I was expecting him to call me back. Instead, a couple hours later, I received a phone call that nobody else wants to get. I got to it and it was Christina's mom on the other line. And um, she said, Lisa, there's been a, a wreck. And um, she said that Josh and Maddie didn't make it. It was a drunk driver that had hit him head on. <clears throat> and Josh and Maddie were killed instantly and the drunk driver died as well. There's not anything that uh, you can do to prepare yourself to know how to navigate through that. Well, you, you just have to rely on the Lord and not really rely on your emotions, which is crazy because you're just full of emotions. I made sure that we went to worship the following Sunday. I knew that if uh, I chose not to worship and not be a part of that, that I might not ever go back. Worship was very uh, helpful in my healing. It was very difficult, but God provided so much uh, comfort and healing and strength in worship. You just take it one day at a time. Sometimes I have a day at a time. Early on, that's all you could do. God is the air I breathe. He is the holy comforter. Well, I decided I didn't want to just hurt. I had to do something with that pain. I had to manage it instead of it manage me. So I chose to um, be proactive with my grief and um, share our story with other people. And I do feel like the Lord spoke to me and, and helped me see that, that I needed to do something with the pain that would help other people. I wanted to give Josh and Maddie a voice because they didn't really get a voice. They didn't get a get to be a part of that decision of their life being cut short. I learned a lot in sharing our story. There's healing in that and helping other people. God has provided me the strength to be able to minister those on our campus. Especially during the pandemic, there was a need for helping others with grief. So we were able to start a grief recovery at West Fort Worth, and I feel very blessed that I'm able to serve in that way, and it's only by the grace of God. This isn't my story. Yeah, it's a story about loss and a story about Josh and Maddie, but it's not just their story either. It's actually God's story. What God can do with such pain, He hadn't taken it away completely, because the pain's still there, and I think it will be until I get to see Josh and Maddie again but he can turn something good, that beauty from ashes. You know, what you do matters. What we do does affect other people, and you get to choose to either affect them 
for the good and for the bad. And God can provide the strength for you to do what you think you need to be doing, what he's put on your heart to do. Okay, now listen to me. Some of you have received a wound in life that is not going to completely heal until Jesus returns. And the fact that it still hurts does not mean you're not strong. In fact, think about it. The testimonies that inspire us the most are not from people who don't know suffering, but from people who know what to do with their suffering. Maybe that's what Paul meant when he said, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness. What a strange thing to say and makes no sense unless you focus on that middle phrase, for Christ's sake. And Paul doesn't delight in weakness because he loves weakness, but because he loves Jesus. And his weakness became a forum to display the grace of a Savior. God is strong enough to remove your weakness. But if he doesn't, dedicate it to Christ. And allow your testimony to be, I'm stronger than you think. Because his power rests on me. Here's the irony. Strength in my weakness is my strongest witness. The, the most powerful Evidence my life can give to anyone that God is good and His grace is real is when they see how in weakness I remain undefeated in spirit. Your weakness isn't good, but God can bring good out of it. So allow it to be a platform that says life can get hard, but grace is always stronger. And I know I'm talking to some people right now that need some extra grace. I hope these words from the Hebrew writer comfort you, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Go to the throne of grace and ask God to take your weakness and make it your witness. Let's do that right now. Bow your head, please. I'm going to pray over you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you right now, as I pray over you, to specifically focus on one part of your life where weakness is real. Just focus on that. Let me pray about it. So, Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, I lift up to you all of these hearts and all of these burdens. And we affirm, God, you are strong enough to remove weakness. I believe by faith there are some people listening to my prayer right now that are going to be delivered from their weakness in the mighty name of Jesus. But I also know, God, that for some hearing this prayer, your plan is to redeem their weakness. Your plan is to give them an extra measure of your power so that their weakness becomes a witness to grace. And so, God, we thank you for grace. We thank you that grace is always stronger. And we ask you to take the next step and the next step and the next step 
bringing glory to Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.